episode of the 1796 sports podcast i'm your host norma valfan joined by ryan and our special guest vanderbilt insider billy derrick again joining us he joined us earlier for the vanderbilt football game um i also want to give a shout out to our sponsors grade a grounds it's a really good coffee for a really good cause so if you haven't checked them out check them out billy what's up man it's been a while uh i know we uh took care of business for football but we got a big basketball game coming up yeah, man, I was uh, I was wondering if y'all were gonna ask me, but uh, to come on, but no, man, it, it it's been a wild, wild season to cover Vanderbilt football and basketball. Like I haven't even been covering them for a year, and there's there hasn't been a lot of winning. Um, but to not tonight, Saturday night should be interesting because I know we'll get into it, but Tennessee top ten, top five team in the country playing Vandy a. Five and thirteen team, zero and five in the SEC, and I know what happened last year with the uh, with their buzzer beater. But I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are in a position most fan bases don't usually find themselves in, and encouraging uh, road fans to uh, actually attend the game and potentially take over the arena. Um, yeah. And I'm not like I'm I'm not even sugarcoating it, guys. Like that that I that's what I have heard, and so I am I am curious and like weirdly excited to see what this will be like Saturday night. Yeah. Billy, I, I just, I want to ask you like what has Stackhouse done? How has he screwed this up so bad that his own fan base is clamoring for a fan base they hate to take over Memorial Gymnasium? Well, I mean, from the get go, I think there was, there was some excitement just because there was a new face in town after Bryce drew went zero and 18 in the conference. Um, sure. you know, make, making history. So I, I think out, out of the gate, you know, there was a little bit of, okay, you know, former NBA guy, kind of the Deion Sanders effect, like, uh Oh, you know, big name, especially in the mm-hmm. basketball world, you know, this guy should be able to recruit, you know, um, led the, uh, the G league team to a title with, you know, Fred Van Vliet and a lot of talent. So, you know, he had an NBA pedigree and I think there were some fans that thought, there was some potential there, but there were also people and smarter people than me because initially I was, you know, I was upbeat and, and fairly positive about his tenure and what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were also other people that basically told themselves from the beginning that it wouldn't work. Um, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of those people and, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't as negative as a lot of other people, but a lot of the older fans kind of knew from the get go, this ain't working. You know, he, he's never he's never coached in college. Um, you know, he's never recruited, really. He's he's an NBA guy. And, you know, it's just mediocre. Like first year, you know, after an 0 to 18 season, you didn't expect much. Uh, and then year two wasn't a ton better. Year three is when they got a little bit better. They had a really, really good Scottie Pippen player uh, leading the charge. They they got a veteran transfer, Ronnie Chapman. They had some pieces, but I think they went seven and 11. Um, in the league, and then like, we saw what happened last year, right? I mean, th- this is this is the game that started it all for Vandy last year. Yeah, Billy um, Vander- Vanderbilt should have made the tournament last year, and I'll, I, I say I've been saying that since then. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and a lot of people 
a lot of Tennessee fans, a lot of other SEC fans thought the same because SEC teams saw what how Vanderbilt was playing late in the season. Um, and, you know, me watching the games and going to games, you know, felt like the atmosphere had kind of come back a little bit. But this offseason was weird, guys. They lost Miles Studi. They lost Jordan Wright. They lost Quentin Malore Brown, who, you know, wasn't the best player, but it was a great role player. They lost Liam Robbins to the NBA. Um, you know, but you get Mignon and Lawrence back, you know, they were hyping them up to be the best backcourt in the conference. And, you know, they, they've been okay, but they just they don't have anybody around them. There's just not enough. And I think I think this has been a culmination of the lack of recruiting and the lack of retention and also the lack of aggressiveness in the portal. I mean, guys, you guys saw it firsthand bringing in Dalton Connect. What a, what a decision and, and what a get for Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Vanny just hasn't really done that. And, and Stackhouse – made an excuse after the Ole Miss game. I don't know if you guys saw it. I, I made sure to tweet it out. He said it in the post-game radio show. It's almost like he didn't think anybody would catch it. You know, he's in the post-game radio show. I'll just kind of sneak this out. He basically admitted that the administration doesn't allow junior and senior transfers to Vanderbilt. I'm like, that, that's the biggest lie. He got Ezra Mignon as a senior transfer what? You know, a couple, couple years ago. And now, yes, granted, he hasn't gotten a lot of them. And I think there's a little bit of truth to it. But overall, like the women's team has got, they got a transfer from Tennessee. I think a junior, mm -hmm. maybe a sophomore, but like they, they have gotten transfers. The football team has got, has had an influx of transfers this off season. It was, it was an excuse. I mean, it was an excuse. Like I said, there's a little bit of truth to it, but that's the point I think. And that might've ruffled some feathers in the administration. He's blaming the administration, right? Yeah. When, yeah. you know, he's, he, he should be blaming himself. But that's the biggest problem here himself. It's all about – and, again, I, I, I'm to the point where I'm not really sugarcoating anything. It's, it's, it's all about Stackhouse in this program. You know, he's had really good coaches leave his staff um, because they didn't have a voice. You know, he was kind of stepping on them con constantly. And so there's a lot, Ryan. But honestly, man, like he hasn't done enough recruiting. And yeah. he hasn't retained his freshmen. I mean, I can't even tell you. I think it's over – 15 or 16 freshmen that have ended up, you know, leaving after their first or second year. So not a, they just don't have a culture, no player retention and um, not enough investment from, from the top down. Yeah. Well, you see how well Jordan Wright is playing for LSU. You mm -hmm. see how much studious is uh, contributing to South Carolina and their success this year. I mean, he, he can get the talent, but like you said, he can't retain them. And I, I, I wonder if that's because of, you know, he's he's used to – he started in the NBA, right, in, in the G League. He has a whole organization to back him up when he's not really the, the head man over everything. Mm -hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. I agree. Um, you know, and, and that's – like you said, that's all he knows. That all, all he knows is the NBA. So part of it, you know – it's hard to put a ton on him because he he was put in a tough spot. He was hired by Malcolm Turner, um, the G League president, who is Vanderbilt yeah. Vanderbilt's athletic yeah. director for like six months. <laughs> and yeah. so, and then Candace Candace Lee was hired. She kept him on, and yeah. So th there's a lot there. Um, I've heard a lot, you know, through the grapevine. You know, whether it's drama between player and coach or you know, coach and fan or coach and Twitter. It, it's just, it's, I think most fans are just sick and tired of it, to be honest. So 
Um, yeah. yeah, no, you're right, though. All he knows is the NBA, and uh, he has never really adjusted to the college game and, and the intense recruiting uh, that is going on, especially now in the NIL and, and portal era. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jim, I don't know if you remember this from last year's basketball season, but we uh, after we lost to Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, people were all losing their minds. And Rick Barnes went on to say the following week or even that same night that people underestimate Vanderbilt, but Jerry Stackhouse is one of the best X's and O's coaches in the SEC. But it's like we just talked about, he cannot run a program as well as he can coach on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's his downfall. Yeah. And going into this game, the way Tennessee has been playing, I just, I don't care how good you are at X and O's, the talent that Tennessee has, how deep Tennessee is. I just, this would be a major loss for Tennessee. If they lost, I don't see them losing. I think you guys said before, uh, what was it? 95% on the analytics side of things. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Tennessee, according to ESPN analytics has a 95% chance to win. Yeah. And I, I still think, you know, they're giving them the benefit of the doubt, which is that 5% and, and it's on the road. But I mean, we all know, and like Billy said earlier that they're encouraging Tennessee fans to go to this game and they are going to show up. There's going to be plenty there. I don't know how many. I don't know if we'll fill a sta- if the stadium, but um, there's going to be a lot of them, and I think this will be a big beatdown and a payback for last year. Yeah. I mean, last year was so pain- painful for Tennessee fans. It's the, it was the first time you had lost to Vanderbilt since the 2016-2017 season. I mean – so it was not something that we were used to. I, I I was in college from 17 to 21 at Tennessee and did not see lose to Vanderbilt once. But it would be nice to get some payback on them, Jim. Sorry, Billy. <laughs> no, guys, I, I don't blame you. And, and especially with Rick Barnes, this he has some motivation now. Like last year, what was the motivation? I mean, yeah, you're playing in Memorial Gym, but it's not like it was, you know, I mean, Ryan, in the last decade, really, these games haven't been anticipated. It's kind of been the same thing with football. Like, you know, and and from the Tennessee fan side, I'm sure you guys would love to see Vanderbilt, you know, actually put up a, a respectable product on the on the on the floor and on the football field. Um, obviously, I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that, Billy. I mean, I'm, I I'd, I'd be fine with where y'all are at right now. <laughs> but what 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 I'm getting at is that, like, you know, because this is boring. Like, right? Like, I mean, if you're it, a Tennessee fan going to the you know, and so I, I see either way. Honestly, I I would rat like for baseball, right? Put put baseball into perspective. Tennessee sucked for a long, long time uh, in baseball, right? They had a good period there when Helton was there and Chris Burke and those guys made a trip to Omaha. But for a while, Tennessee was awful. Vanderbilt had been, you know, it it was born like you know, yeah, they were still, I guess, a rivalry, but. You didn't get up for those games. And then Tennessee got good, and part of me was like, uh-oh, here comes Tennessee uh-huh. kicking down the back door. But the other part of me was like, man, okay, this is a little fun. You know, I'm not the 13-year-old diehard fan I used to be anymore, so a lot of it for me now is that I just want to see I want to see fun atmospheres, you know, and, and teams hating each other, you know. I just yeah, don't I mean, think you get that a ton anymore between Vandy and Tennessee, especially football and basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, Billy, I'm sure you are. You have the calendar marked 
for our series in Nashville in baseball this year. Mm-hmm. We'll be there. I'll be there. It's been what ten ten games in a row now. Yep. And guys, that I mean, Vanderbilt fans are kind of hanging on by a thread. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, yeah, I I could see why. I mean, I mean, yeah, the the Vanderbilt's marquee sport, Tennessee, is on a winning streak against them, and I mean, it, yeah. it's got to so, be maddening. Yeah, and it's. It's a little bit like this is a big year. We said this last year, right? I said coming into the series last year that, you know, Vanderbilt has revenge on their mind. They get swept again by, mm-hmm. by Tennessee. And I thought Friday, that Friday night game last year was the series. You know, after Tennessee won that, I mean, those two home runs, uh, just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable with, with one out or two outs, right? Yeah, it was two outs. In, in the ninth. So you just got to kind of tip your cap and – We'll see what happens. I think this year, I'm already like most Vandy fans are already looking forward to that. Um, I think the pitching, the pitching staffs are great. Question is, does Tennessee offensively end up winning it? But that tells you where fans are at. Vandy fans are at. They're already talking about baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what y'all do, I guess. I mean, yeah, sounds like sounds like Kentucky fans. Um, uh, but get, getting back to basketball, guys. Um, so, Billy, what is the scenario? I mean, obviously, you know, there's obvious things in basketball that you do to improve your chances of winning. You know, don't turn it over, guard three-point line, get to the free throw line, all that. But what's something that, that you see other than those cliche answers that uh, Vanderbilt can do to maybe make this game close or even pull out a win? Well, they they have to make – they have to make at least 10 threes. I'd probably even say maybe upwards of 15. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do that, you know, this team can be sneaky. Like they, they held Alabama pretty tight at home this year. Um, Auburn handled them, but Auburn's really good. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, they just haven't, they haven't proven any consistency from, from deep. Like they've got some decent shooters, but they had Colin Smith go down for the season um, with an ACL a few weeks ago. Um, and so there, there's just no consistency. I would say that, though. And you're in Memorial, right? So Memorial Gym is probably, even though it'll be essentially a home game for Tennessee, just the fact, the simple fact of playing in, you know, as strange of a gym. And Vanderbilt's probably a yeah. little bit more comfortable than Tennessee playing there. That's probably three or four points, you know, even Maybe. though, yeah, even though it won't feel like it. You know, I mean, this is going to feel like it's in Knoxville, um, yeah. but so, it's so, still. So, sorry, Billy. I, I want to mention, uh, Jim, you're in for one of the weirdest venues in college basketball. Th- this is basically a concert hall. Yeah, I've been I looked at pictures and stuff and I'm like, I haven't told my wife. I was like, dang, that gym. It, it looks like a just very old, you know, I don't know, decrepit type place to go. But the, the, yeah, the, the thing about it, though, is that it when it's rocking like it was in the Bruce Pearl versus uh, mm. uh, Kevin Stallings days, yep. it, 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 it can get loud as piss. But hopefully the loudness will be coming from Tennessee fans this game. Well, like you said, Billy, I mean, who knows how many show up um, being in the middle of the state? Pretty much. I, I just see a lot of Tennessee fans being there. And, but, you know, ticket prices, we talked about this earlier, uh, who knows on how many will show up. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to go. I, I just, I'm excited to see the 
balls play just in general. So yeah, yeah it, it, it's a really cool. You know, Ryan talked about it. It's you can say whatever you want about it, but you know, it is really cool because it feels like a stage. Um, you know, because that I was actually talking to a former player a week ago, and he said that you know, playing on the floor. You know, it's like e- it's easier to shoot in there because this, they have spotlights up top that are, you know, kind of just pointed on the floor and, and on each goal. And they kind of darken the rest of it, the rest of the arena. And yep. yeah, it's theater style. Um, I've always loved watching games there just because it is so different um, and it does get loud. It's pretty fairly compact. You know, it seats over 14,000, but, you know, it gets pretty, pretty loud. And so I think, I think there's going to be a, at least 8,000 Tennessee fans, maybe, and probably, honestly, likely upwards of 9,000. Um, How many does it hold? 14,000. Oof. So, because, but think about it. There's so many Tennessee fans in Nashville, and there's probably people in Nashville that'll just decide to wear orange, you know, and throw on a Tennessee shirt or something because they want to they wanna watch Dalton Connect and, you know, mm-hmm. see a top-five team in the country. Like, Nashville's a big sports town, so... I, I think you'll get some some casual sidewalk people that decide to go kind of last minute. But, guys, I, I know at least three or four of my buddies that have decided to go um, just because they've been, you know, they want to go and they've been kind of rejuvenated by this team with Dalton Connect. So it's going to be interesting. Like a, it's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to is watching Dalton Connect because, I mean – does does Vanderbilt even have anyone that could cover this kid? I was. But does not, anyone have any? Does yeah. Anyone does does that? anyone? Yeah. yeah. I mean, ha, he is the most unique player I've ever seen. Um, you know, like who do you put on? Who does anybody put on him? I don't think Vandy does. They'll probably try to. They'll probably switch defenses up a lot. Stack does that when he plays against better teams. And I, I'll say this, guys, like from the Vandy side, Stack does some weird stuff when he knows. He is, he had he is at a talent disadvantage, um, and that's why like they beat Kentucky at Rupp last year when nobody expected it. Um, in the past, they've knocked off teams in spots where you go, how did that just happen? So he kind of he he's known to pull rabbits out of the hat. I don't think he has the talent to, um, and I think if Tennessee plays well and like they've been playing, this could be a thirty point win. Like I I I, I firmly believe that, but yeah. On Dalton Connect, I don't think Vandy has anybody that can guard him, and he makes it look so easy. But even even then, guys, if Dalton Connect has 15 or 20, Tennessee could still blow Vandy out. Like, that's the thing about Dalton Connect. You know, Vescovy could go off for 15 or 20. Jordan James, uh, you know, Ganey had, what, almost 20 against Alabama. So yep. they've got so much depth that I think is is the scariest part about them. Um. Do they have as much depth as Auburn? I don't know. But at the end of the day, guys, Dalton Connect is a star. And I, like like you said, I'm genuinely excited to, to watch him just as a basketball fan, you know? Yeah, just being in the crowd, being able to watch, you yeah. know, that in person. And then not only that is, in my opinion, we have the best big man in the country. Or not the country. Sorry, take that back. Best big man in the SEC. <laughs> He's very and, underrated. Oh, yeah. he This dude could score. He blocks almost every shot that comes in if he doesn't get called for stupid fouls. But, you know, Jonas Adu is going to be a problem too. So it's, mm-hmm. you get to watch all these kids play and, 
you know, one day, like, Dalton can actually easily going to be a lottery pick if he keeps it up, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's SEC Player of the Week two weeks in a row. He's on a historic scoring run in the SEC and for Tennessee's program, a program that has had the likes of Bernard King and Chris Lofton. So, <laughs> this guy's a player. It's, it's mm-hmm. bottom line. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Go ahead, I, Billy. Guys, he's just – He's so hard to guard. Like, what do you, you know, you can throw a zone on box and one maybe, but at the end of the day, he's going to get his shot off. And that's what scares me the most, not only against Vandy, but against really anybody, you know, even Kentucky. Like, does Kentucky have a guy mature and physical enough to guard him? I don't think so. You know, Auburn, maybe, uh, you know, with the Williams kid, Jalen Williams, who's really good. But guys, that that's what this is going to come down to. If Dalton Connect, and their shooters light it up, this could this could get ugly. Yeah, and then as good as – I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned Rick Barnes' calling card yet for his programs, uh, the defense. Tennessee mm-hmm. turned over Alabama 22 times – no, 20, 23 times against Alabama. Um, and that led to a bunch of points just off turnovers. I mean, when you combine as good as our offense is this year with – you know how good our defense always is. Tennessee is a juggernaut. Oh yeah, and I mean, if te- like I said earlier, if Tennessee just plays a game like they did the against Alabama, I don't see there's not a lot of teams that could beat them in the SEC, especially this year. Talking about this year, I mean, you got Auburn. Uh, I'm not even gonna. Well, Kentucky can beat them. I, I hate to tell Tennessee fans, but it it, it can happen. Um, but South Carolina shocking a lot of people. They look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they were home, um, but still, I mean, they beat Kentucky by a lot. And, um, you know, you got plenty of teams in this league this year that can do something. So that's always good to see, especially coming from an SEC fan. Yeah. The, the league for the last five or six years has been incredible. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that it's the best the SEC has been this consistently top to bottom in basketball. Um, it's just team after team, if you're on the road or not, you're, you're going to have to fight to get wins in, in this conference now. Guys, uh, I, I want to get y'all's opinion on uh, last night, beginning of the Alabama-Auburn game. Uh-huh. They kept the they kept the damn lights off for thirty seconds for anybody noticed. I mean, really. Well, you, what was funny is I'm I'm like sitting down at the dinner table eating dinner while I'm watching this game, and I did a double take because I was like, "Are they playing with the lights off?" Yeah, and they yeah, did. I, yeah, I think it tells you that that are, they need a new arena. I mean, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like they that I mean, how does that happen? Like. Are there, is there nobody like usually there, I don't know if the people stay up there. I don't, I don't know what the setup is, but that's, that's pretty embarrassing. If you're Greg Byrne in Alabama to have a, I know it was only what, 10 minutes, but yeah. that, I mean, that should, that should never happen. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I was, I turned it on and I, you know, I was fired up to watch it. And I see the first shot go down after that first shot. I'm like, wait, is this like a new style? Like this, this looks way too dark. Um, and I was like, are they doing something new? Because I know the NBA, like they keep it pretty dark, but that was like, that was way too dark. And it was a red tint to it as well. 
I was really confused. And then they like ESPN kept it on the game. Like they kept, they were just interviewing Jalen Milrow for like eight minutes. Oh yeah, oh, I was Jaylen, so tired that was of that. Awful, awful TV with Ravitch and and uh, Jay Williams. Who Jay Williams is? I don't know why they ever put him calling college oh, yeah. basketball he, games. He's an he's an NBA in studio analyst and just randomly shove him into sec basketball yeah he, he had he had a ridiculous comment and i know he had fun with it after tossing a you know nate oates tossed him a tennis ball because yeah, he, yeah. he said alabama he said alabama's coleman coliseum this feels like a tennis match it's it was like november and they're playing <laughs> i don't even you know like william and mary clemson like clemson. what are you yeah clemson like what are you talking about so these analysts, especially ESPN, like any times a game on ESPN, I usually get excited until I turn it on and see who's calling the game. And I'm like, a lot of the, these these analysts are just trying to, they're just trying to make hot takes and make, you know, get the clicks, make money. It's all about clips now, you know, a little, little 30 second to a minute clips on Twitter. And, you know, if you can, if you can yeah. get one of those that looks good, then do it. So, yeah, but yeah, the, that. The, the, the the best thing that ESPN could get for the marquee matchup of the week in the SEC was an NBA in studio analyst and a baseball announcer. Good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you know, I've always liked Tom Hart, right? Like Tom, Tom Hart's like, the best. Yeah, like throw Tom Hart in there. And, and Jimmy then, Dykes. You know, yeah, Jimmy Dykes or but there's a lot of good ones. Like I like Dane Bradshaw a lot. Um, VFL. Yeah, VFL. Uh, I mean. <laughs> But I, mean, I I just don't get the the logic behind Jay Williams. Like that's stupid. I don't either. And I think part of it might have been okay. I don't know if Jay wanted to or if ESPN made the decision to say, "Hey, we're going to send you here. We, this is going to be an incredible atmosphere. There's going to be some good stuff coming out of this because you called that atmosphere a tennis match earlier." You know, so I I think there's probably a little bit of that to it. Yeah, guys. Uh. Final thoughts before we move on to some more topics on this Tennessee Vanderbilt game, Jim. Uh, honestly, I just—it's one of those games where it's just like, man, I I expect Tennessee to win by thirty, but like anything below twenty, it's a disappointment, and that's just, that's just me. I don't really have any topics, but it's just, yeah. you know, that's what I'm thinking. So you're expecting to win big time. Which I I think that's very fair. I expect to win by twenty. Like yeah. that that's yeah. what I expect. Now I'm not saying we're gonna walk out with a forty point win. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. The to me, I think I said it last week, Jim, in our well, our last episode, whenever it was. Um, when Bryce asked us, "Do you see any like Are you scared at all of this game?" And I mentioned the 2019 game, where uh, Tennessee was mm-hmm. freshly ranked number one. And we had to go to double up. We had to go to overtime. Grant Williams had to have and the best Grant performance Williams. of his career. Yeah. And then you go back a decade before that, after we were freshly number one again, after beating Memphis on the road, and we mm-hmm. lose Memorial not 48 hours later. So any, anything is possible. But I think Jim is right that the expectation for Tennessee fans should be a 20 point win. Uh, th- those are just my thoughts. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys. Like, for me, the first factor you have to look at is the revenge factor with, with Tennessee last year. I mean, all Rick Barnes has to do is show the clip of, of Lawrence's game winner all week. Yep. And you got to think about it. Both these teams have the week off, so both teams will be prepared. That's why it's hard to th- it's hard for me to 
to confidently say it's going to be a 30-point win or whatever because it, it Vandy just weirdly doesn't let that happen. But yeah. I, I can. I, I can. This year's different because I, I can. Number one, the revenge factor, like I said. Number two, just the excitement, like the, the buzz from the fans and the confidence that'll give to the players in, in a road environment, but you're in Nashville, right? So I think that, you know, the players walk out to it, whether it's, I don't know, 40, 30 minutes to warm up before the game. There's going to be initial jolt of, a, okay, this is going to be fun tonight, you know, for if you're wearing orange. Yeah. Um, I think that'll help them, and I, I'm with you guys. I, I'd be surprised if Tennessee doesn't win this by 25 or 30 points. And, um, you know, for Vandy, it's you got to make at least 12 to 15 threes to have a shot. And even if you do, you know, Tennessee's good enough to still beat you. So, I don't know. I think the line here would probably be, Ryan, I don't know what you think, but I was thinking at least like 22, 23, maybe even at least like in the 20s. I mean, I, don't, I know. Line, I, ugh. Yeah. I, I was thinking more like 14 and a half or something like that. No, I think uh, I, I think with the, the way these line people work, man, they're going to make it to where it's like people are going to be putting money on Vandy with the plus yeah. points. But it ends up being. So I, I agree. I said 17 and a half earlier. That's what I want. That's what I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, but I agree. I think, I think twenty four, twenty five is what they'll end up putting, and a lot of people will take that, and Tennessee will end up winning by like twenty three or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, guys, I think for a Tennessee sports fan, this was e- easily the biggest news of the week, and and y'all may be surprised by what I think about what the biggest news was because there's been a lot of things that happened for Tennessee sports this week, but uh, Todd Hilton is the second player in SEC history to be inducted into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Does that not not surprise both of you? Well, you're talking about the second in SEC history? Yes. Yes, that surprised me because, I mean, it feels like we had a lot of talent in our history to where only two? Todd Helton well-deserved, though. I mean, he's the best Rocky of all time. So I mean, it's Frank Thomas and Todd Helton. That's it for, for, from the SEC. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible because the SEC has been touted as the best baseball conference in the country forever. And you know, a lot of the older people I talk to, you know, they go back and mention, you know, Thunder and Lightning at Mississippi State with Palmero and Will Clark. But Palmero was in, was uh, was using steroids, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of caught up in that. Will Clark was really good like the first few years of his pro career, but kind of fell off a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy a lot. Like you think about the SEC and their reputation, a lot of them are just really good in college. Like Jake Mangum, for example, at Mississippi State, you know, he hasn't yep. he hasn't, he hasn't even really translated in the big leagues yet. He's been there, I think, in the minors for three or four years. I mean, there's been a lot, guys. Um, I do think down the road, like, I mean, yeah. you know, for Tennessee, could you know, could uh, you know, Ben Joyce turn turn himself into a Hall of Famer? Could you know, Drew Gilbert? Like, you know, Tennessee's got a ton of talent that has been through that program the last few years. Same with Vandy. Does like Dansby Swanson turn himself into a Hall of Famer? David Price. Yeah, um, that that's the name that I was thinking, Billy. Do do you think he has a shot? Uh, yeah, I 
it's too early. I just like the name itself really pops, you know. Um, I don't know that his pro career because we think college, right? We're college people. We think, you know, yeah, yeah he, he was a damn good college player, but I don't know if he was a good enough uh, pro pitcher. And, you know, longevity is a big thing too. Um, like a lot of the older players just lasted so much longer than um, players do now, or at least in the last 10, 15 years. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Price probably has the best shot. Uh, but then I look at Swanson probably, you know, decently if he if he starts to hit the ball a little bit better because he's a great defender. Um, but, yeah, I think Vandy or Tennessee, I know you guys got Todd Helton, but I think both these programs in the next 20 or so years will probably get a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah, you know, two of the better two of the better baseball programs in the country right now. Yeah, I, I yeah, think I it completely just agree. I think like it just speaks more to how hard it is to get into the baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's just a joke of an organization, but well, yeah, you get all these old riders, you know, that that have been there forever, probably going on 80, 90 years old. A lot of those guys, you know, so they, you know, they're they favor. That's why a lot of these guys it takes them long because a lot of the voters are so old, and so mm-hmm. they just it takes them it takes them a little bit to finally get to that player. That's why it took like Todd Hilton probably should have been in the Hall of Fame by now. You know, yeah, this was his two, three six, years ago. six. Yeah, this was sixth or seventh year on the ballot. Um, yeah, so th- I mean that tells you, and Todd Helton, and there were still some doubts. Like, I don't know, is this the year? You know, so yeah, really happy for him, um, and glad you know he just representing the state, you know, as a whole, and obviously big for their program. You know, you can kind of yeah. kind of start to sell that. So you're now one of two SEC programs to tout a baseball Hall of Famer. So yeah, Tennessee and Auburn. Who would have thought? Yeah, do with that what you will, Tony. Um, the second biggest news of the week in my eyes: G Mac, George McIntyre committed to the Vols. Jim, how much does that mean to the Tennessee football program? No oh, man, it's huge. It's it, I mean, the fact that Tennessee goes from Nico Iamaliava to pro. I mean. That'll be a later topic to talk about that. But, I mean, Jake Merklinger, Slinger, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. very underrated. Uh, and then George McIntyre. I mean, he's another one, kind of like Boo Carter, where a lot of kids want to play with him. Uh, you got the tight end. Um, uh, I can't say his last name, but I'll call him Jack. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, kid's a, yeah. the kid's a beast on the offensive side. Um, you know, you got – Kids like uh, Marcus Harris, five star out of California, that's talking about teaming up with him. I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure Billy can agree that it, it's Tennessee. It sounds like the sleeping giant might be starting to wake up a little bit. Um, it's huge. George McIntyre is just going to be a recruiting machine. You can see it on Twitter. He's talking. He tweets at everybody trying to get them to come to Tennessee, which is which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. great, great. Great get. I mean, I've, I've seen him play a lot, actually. Um, and he had a tough high school year last year, actually. I think his team went like one yeah, and eight it was not, or something yeah. like that. And uh, I think they actually won a playoff game and then ended up losing in the second round. But they made a coaching change, and so they'll, they'll be a lot better this year. I think it'll be fun, more fun to watch him in his senior season for Tennessee fans. Um, but, yeah, he's six six. you know, very slim. He'll have to get in the weight room like every freshman. Uh, but similar to Nico, you know, the sa- same build. Um, 
obviously not, I don't know if I'd say as much hype. You know, I mean, he's still got his senior year to play. But, you know, mm -hmm. in state-wise, like locally, you know, this is a massive get. Because, guys, think back. I don't know if you all know this. His grandfather actually coached at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Billy, if, if that chaps your ass just a little bit. Well, I, I knew this was, like, I knew this was going to happen. I mean, I somebody told me he was coming to Tennessee, like, five, six months ago. So, I, I think he's been pretty locked in. Um, yeah. So it's worn off, but yeah, initially I think Vanderbilt people thought, okay, you know, you can kind of sell your grandfather, you know, come, come kind of continue that legacy. Like they had some good teams under his grandfather, 1982 team was pretty good. Um, yeah. but yeah, that it's kind of a sign of the times, to be honest. I think a lot of Vanderbilt people, you know, like the diehards aren't, aren't happy about him going to Tennessee, but I think there's just the more realistic fans know, you know, that's the situation you're in and, um, I think he's a little bit different. He like his dad, I think, kind of groomed him to be a Tennessee fan. Um, because his dad, uh, I, I like they grew up in Tennessee. Uh, his uncle is Mike McIntyre, who coaches at FIU right now. Yep. Former so, Colorado coach. Yeah. So local kid. And, uh, you know, he just like if Josh Heupel isn't at Tennessee, maybe he, maybe he goes to Bandy. You know, like if if Tennessee still, for some odd reason, still had Jeremy Pruitt, you know, maybe Vandy has yeah. a shot. But Josh Heupel and his rapport with quarterbacks, like if he wants a quarterback, man, he's going to get it. Um, yeah. You know, he just he's got a way of of uh, of selling quarterbacks, you know, his, his vision. And uh, yeah, good timing. I think it's a great get. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll be in there in 2026. You know, because Nico's not going to be there for four years. So yeah, I, I think you got two two more years of Nico if everything goes how we want it to go. Yeah, um, yeah, three years of college for Nico, and then McIntyre goes in there after, you know, after a couple of years of sitting out. Yeah, so things are looking up. I think it's really important to get him locked down in the very early in the cycle for the recruiting class. Uh, I think, and Bryce mentioned it last week that. It matters that he's also the number one player in Tennessee. I mean, that's always something that you want to do is lock down your borders. So Tennessee fans should be very happy about that. Um, we got some other big news. And if you listen to the podcast, I kind of let everybody know that VolQuest was on top of this. But Javante Spragans is officially coming back for another year, which is mm. gigantic. Big. Yeah, this Tennessee offensive line is really starting to look – really intense uh we got one spot probably uh the left guard that's kind of just needs to be filled uh i mean throughout the spring we'll see you know if someone steps up or maybe they snag another one i still think tennessee needs one to two more offensive linemen for you know deaf purposes but tennessee's offensive line i mean having hurt on the left side campbell on the right spragans cooper mays i mean it's very very uh, good offensive line to have. Yeah, I, th I think if you're going to want to be, if you're going to have to be searching for a spot, wh whether it be during spring practice or if you don't find one, then in the spring uh, transfer portal period, guard is the spot you want to be looking for. It's a lot easier to find a guard than a bookend tackle. So, I th that's, I still think we're in a we're, we're in a great spot with the offensive line going into next year. Um. Billy, you have any thoughts on our offensive line? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I, I agree with you, actually. Uh, it's easier to find guards. 
um, you know, than tackles. Like Vandy got a guy from Mississippi State who'll probably play guard for him. Um, so yeah, it, you know, if you can lock down those guards, it's not easy to do that. You know, I I I got I saw that he's coming back for his super senior season. So mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to get some kids on Tennessee, not just offensive linemen, that you can tell they like Josh Heupel and they want to stay, you know, under his leadership for as long as they can. Um, I know they had a lot of transfers in the secondary, but quite frankly, that needed to happen. Their secondary has been awful. Trust me, um, we've we we have driven that point to the ground. It's kind of disingenuous yeah. to shit on the secondary all year and then be mad when half of them leave. I, I was thrilled. So exactly. So you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, I think they're still back your mind. Okay, we lost all like you know who you're going to replace them with. I think most secondary like. Every fan of a college football team in the country, other than maybe Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe Alabama, but maybe not anymore, hates their secondary. Like, there's just like think about it. I mean, like talking talking ball with your buddy who's a a Bama fan or an Ole Miss fan. You know, everybody says their secondary sucks. So that's just yeah. that's that's part of college football, man. That's where it's going. Everybody's throwing the football, and if you're Tennessee, you're in a good spot because you can do that. You've got Nico. Um, you know, not everybody can say that. So, yeah, I'm Spragan's big get for Tennessee to retain. They they got Mays back too, right? Yeah, Mays, Spragans, and John Campbell are, are are all back, and then we added Hurd from LSU. Added Hurd. So, yeah, I mean. I know there was a lot of a lot of uh, negativity around that offensive line this year for Tennessee. Um, unwarranted, to, in my opinion, unwarranted. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think, was Joe Milton. You know, you had yes. not to put it on his shoulders, but I mean, he was not the best uh, orchestrator of that offense. Um, Jim, and I don't know how... why. I, I don't <laughs> like. Know? I don't like. I don't. I never understood Josh Heupel's fascination with with him. Oh my God, Jim! This is such great news. Billy is woke. He's woke about Joe Milton, <laughs> dude. Uh, so I, I mean, Ryan will tell you I was probably the biggest Joe Milton supporter throughout the season. I tried to be as positive as I could, um, and you know what? Eight and four. I'm not terribly mad at it. I mean, having yeah, it's not bad. Like I'd rather go eight and four. It than could have been be, a lot worse this year. Yeah, absolutely, and. I started scratching my head though after this this bowl game, and I mean Iowa mm-hmm. top five defense, and you're telling me that uh, Nico wasn't prepared or wasn't ready or whatever you want to call it. There's no shot you couldn't you can't tell me, and I know Billy, you agree. I know Ryan agrees. You can't tell me he wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah guys. I mean- I, and Tony, we had Tony on the plaster show and he talked about it and he was like, he couldn't believe it. Like he was like, you know, how does he look that good? And you stuck with Milton for, for the whole season, basically. And you didn't even put, you didn't even put Nico in red zone situations. Tennessee was, was awful in the red zone this year. Yes. We Nico, were like, Nico, Nico we, we scored three. Down. <laughs> I mean, so Nico bad. had four rushing touchdowns all within the, you know, the, 15, 20 yard line. So I was thinking the same thing. Like, you know, I know, but 
but I put my realistic goggles on and said, okay, I think Josh Heupel is smart enough. Heupel's not an idiot, right? He he is a he's a smart guy, and I think fan as fans, you get, you know, you get rattled and you get, you know, your thoughts are moving a thousand miles per hour. But I think he wanted to keep the locker room and get to that at least eight win mark. You know, if you put Nico in there. He could get rattled, throw a pick six. You just never know. Like, could Nico have won in Gainesville? Yes. You know? Um, I think could so. Could Nico – yeah, okay. Uh, could Nico <laughs> have um, – could Nico have won in Tuscaloosa against Alabama? Yes. If you give him that halftime lead. Yeah, um, yeah. If it, same halftime lead, yes, he would have won. So you're just sitting there, and I think Heupel is probably asking a lot of the same things. Um, yeah. That that bowl game looked good. Yeah. I would have liked to seen a non Big Ten. I mean, when's the last time Tennessee didn't play a Big Ten game in a in a Florida bowl game? I know they Orange Bowl. You know, they, I guess yeah. Well, Orange bowl, bowl, yeah. But that as kind of the outlier, and they still beat Clemson. Yeah. But I Tennessee's been really good in their history, even under Butch Jones in bowl games. Um, yeah. But it's almost like they always play Big Ten teams. So I would have liked to see Tennessee against a a sim- like imagine Tennessee Oklahoma. Yes, um, in, in a bowl well, we'll this see year, that. <laughs> you you will you will. But I would have liked to have seen. Okay, let's. What does Tennessee have against a, you know, a team that really matches up with them offensively? I mean, Iowa was atrocious. Yeah, it was disgusting. So, so yeah, I'm I'm ready. I, I'm that Oklahoma game. Mm. That so, and, and you you'll probably agree with what I'm about to say. That Oklahoma game is the Florida game from this past year, and. To me, it is the key game on your schedule. You yep. win that game, the sky's the limit. If you lose it, then it's like, okay, are we going to lose three or four this year? That's what everyone's you know, mentality will go to. But if you win that game, there's a great possibility you're going into Alabama uh, or Alabama's coming to you and you're undefeated. So, The battle, the battle of, the, uh, of the young quarterbacks, Ryan Jackson-Arnold yeah. against Nico. Yeah. You yeah. know, Josh Heupel going back to Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, if game day's not there, I don't know what they're doing because that's going to be an unreal atmosphere. There's probably going to be a lot of orange there. Um, mm-hmm. mm, I, I'm, I'm already ready for that one. Yeah. the Going back to the Nico talk, I mean, that that is the game of the year before I move on. Hands down, the most important game. But going back to the Nico versus Joe Milton talk, I, I, I maintain through since the – Texas A&M game, Alabama game, basically that Nico need, needed to be the starting quarterback because I, I just felt that eight and four with a six-year quarterback was not worth it when you have somebody that you can start to develop now. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I yeah, go go, the, go ahead, Jim. The whole red shirt thing is is mind baffling to me because Nico, if you think he's this good, which he is, he's not going to be here. For that yeah, long. Exactly, exactly. Like, you're just saving it as pretty much if he got injured. That's literally what they're keeping it for. But it's like, let's pray to God that doesn't happen, first of all. Mm-hmm. But second of yeah. all, like, he's going to be here for two years max. And, like, the whole red shirt thing is mind-boggling. Like, it's just, I don't know. May, what, I, what I'm what i kind of thinking is, do you think maybe Nico's parents had something to do with it? Or, like, was it a plan to keep him... Like probably that's what I think. Maybe, maybe it was like a family thing where they were just like, Hey, let him sit for a year. Let him get, you know, the offense and all this stuff. And then, then go. But like, 
I don't know. But it was it was also strategic to, you know, like maybe playing in the bowl game was a part of it. Um, because I heard that the Tennessee staff sort of nudged Milton to, to, uh, oh, yeah. you know, to opt out, yeah. you know, and go ahead and declare. And so I think that was part of it and really smart, like recruiting purposes, portal purposes. Hypel knows how important the portal is. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to get a portal kid, just throw on the tape of the, of the, uh, whatever that bowl was. I don't even, well, you hear the recruits saying it, saying how, they got one of the best quarterbacks in the country on that team. Like, who wouldn't want? Yeah, to play I mean, guys, if like if you if if Nico doesn't play in that bowl game, do they get the LSU offensive lineman? Do they get probably not? Um, Chris Brazel. Do you know? Do they like? I I think that was a very calculated move by Hypel in Tennessee, and and credit to him. And I and yeah. I think it was that Florida game. I think you lose that Florida game, and Hypel started to think, hey, you know. This might not be the year to be playing around with this stuff. And, you know, maybe he wasn't ready for all that. I get it. But it's still, you know, we'll never know. The world will never know when it comes to, yeah. you know, what all that. What we can hope is that that time of him sitting behind Milton will lead to better things for him in the future. I mean, I think treating him with kitty gloves could potentially have been the right move, but it was just, it's kind of frustrating to kind of throw away a season that you could have wanted at at minimum two more games in. So, well, still, I mean, fun fact. I mean, it, it seems like it worked. I mean, he's six favorited on the Heisman trophy. Winner. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy for a freshman. I mean, I you get for Heisman. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you know how crazy Tennessee would get if that happened. Like I, I, I don't give a shit about the Heisman. I'll, I'll get, I'll get him a picture and put it on my bedroom wall. I don't even care. Like it's going to be a picture of him holding that thing, you know, like get it signed or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I'll lose my mind. Here's what he should do. If he were to be announced the Heisman winner in New York that night, he should say, um, uh, fuck y'all throw it on the ground and say, this is for 97 and then walk out. This is for the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. But That's anyway, who y'all got Billy? tonight? Who y'all got tonight? South Carolina or LSU? Oh, I, suck. I I don't know what it is, but I think LSU. It's at <laughs> is it at LSU? It's yes. at LSU. Yeah. Well, give me Angel Reese all day. She, she's got to work on them. And Haley Van <laughs> Smythe. Yeah. The Herman. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, um, I do want to, before we end it here, I do want to get you, everyone's predictions for this game Saturday. Um, you know, explain what you, explain your thoughts, last thing, um, and uh, we'll let uh, our guests go first, the the soon-to-be full-on committed Vol fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, uh, I got Tennessee big. I'm going to go 87 87- 75 i mean I, like i said Ooh. i don't think like i think vandy will score because they're at home and the magic and i don't see them winning I, i'll go 87 72 something something like that that's respectable. all right um that's realistic too like i yeah. something that would happen yeah M- my my uh reason behind the score is uh vols better uh we're gonna have most of the crowd, we're pro- at least half the building is going to be orange. I'm, you, you could take that to the bank. I would put my mortgage on that. Yeah. 
So with that being said, I, I think from what I've seen from Vanderbilt this year, they struggled to score, you know, much over 60 in, in a lot of games. So I'm going to go Tennessee makes it more of a half-court game because I think that's Vanderbilt's only chance to win is to run up and down the court. So I'm going to go with Tennessee 74, Vanderbilt 57. See, I think you're downplaying it here. I, I, Tennessee's <laughs> offense, Tennessee's offense has been ridiculous, pretty much. Don't uh, connect for our to standards, Jim. Yeah, for our standards, uh, I, I, I seriously, I'd be shocked if we don't score eighty. Um, but I'm thinking eighty-nine to like sixty-four. I think um, Tennessee, man, their defense is just—they suffocate teams, man. I mean, look at look at Alabama and, and Billy. You said it. If they don't hit fifteen threes, ten threes, you know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a runaway game here. Um, but we held Alabama, the, one of the best three point shooting teams, to barely any. And as long as Tennessee comes to play and doesn't say, "Oh, it's it's Vanderbilt," they're not gonna. It's a revenge game. You go in, whoop that ass, go back home. So I think it's gonna be a. 8964 so yeah i agree i agree we we this should be a route um billy if you want to leave your media row and come visit us in 2g row 9 me jim and I bryce will. will be there i will right behind I, the students I, I, i'll do that we'll we'll get some content for uh for the old x machine and um yeah looking forward to it i'll uh, i'll be there guys i'll be there early like i said i'm i'm weirdly excited it's pretty rare you get excited for a for a Vanderbilt sporting event anymore. I mean, to be, to be honest, <laughs> um, but this could be an implosion that forces the Vanderbilt administration to react. Uh, not saying there'll be a change mid season, but this could be sort of the tip of the iceberg uh, for the Stackhouse era. So like I said earlier, I'm, I'm weirdly excited for this. Number one, I know a lot of people that'll be going, going to try to say hi to you guys. I got a bunch of buddies going um, and just, just to see kind of, Hey, this is a chance to, uh, to maybe, maybe feel, feel what TBA feels like Thompson bowling arena. I've been there once, <laughs> but there you go. yeah. Thanks guys for having me. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see y'all Saturday night. Uh, right, if you want to shout out your stuff real quick. Yeah. So, uh, plaster show weekdays, uh, two to 4 PM central time, uh, anywhere you can, you know, watch it on YouTube, on your phone or, Twitter we got a bunch of you know live tweets going throughout the day and so we also on Facebook as well Spotify Apple Podcasts and then VandySports.com their uh, their rival site um, founded in 2003 so they they're the premier Vanderbilt uh, coverage out there and I don't know if you guys subscribe to Tennessee's rivals board but go over to Vandy's rivals board there's some interesting mm-hmm. um, <laughs> some interesting takes on the Stackhouse era and. Uh, and what they are anticipating Saturday night, and maybe some evidence that fans are selling their tickets to uh, <laughs> to uh, the the school out east, as they say. So, but yeah, no, that that's where you can find me. And uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens Saturday. Awesome, awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on again. Thanks, guys. All right, go balls. Go balls. And again, we appreciate our sponsors, Great A Grounds, great coffee for a great cause. Go make sure to go check them out on Twitter and uh, definitely uh, try them out. Again, uh, go Vols, and uh, we'll be there Saturday. So if you see us, say hello. Hell yeah.